Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I'm your host, Grayson Prulty. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Michael Cleveland, Director of Advanced Energy, Progress Rail, a Caterpillar company. On today's episode, Michael and I discussed battery electric locomotives and the impact they're having on sustainability and society. We hope you enjoy this episode. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show and uh, excited to, to talk with you today about uh, the, the developments we've got going on in rail. Well, thank you for the kind words. I think what you're doing is cool. Locomotives are cool. Freight rail is cool. It's, it's the backbone of moving goods. So thank you for taking the time to come here because you have deep experience in this technology. You had an 11-year run at Burlington Northern Santa Fe, which is commonly known as BNSF. During that time, what did you learn that you were able to translate to your new role at Progress Rail? I had a great experience at, at BNSF and a really good opportunity to you know, learn how locomotives are used, how they're serviced, how they live in the wild, right? Uh, not just you know, how do you maintain or repair a locomotive, but also what does it do? What value does it provide to the organization? And so that's, that's a unique perspective uh, that I've, I've been able to have. It was a lot of fun. And then I got the chance to uh, to work on natural gas locomotives. I was a locomotive technology expert on that project, and that really morphed into all things alternative energies, so battery electric hybrids for all types of equipment. And you know, really over the last few years, we've all seen the explosion of interest in battery electric or zero emissions equipment and. My role at BNSF was to really focus on that and dig deep and understand it from a technical and an operational perspective. So that was a great segue into this position here at Progress, where I'm trying to help the rail industry figure out what technologies are going to work, what are the what's the future of of energy and rail. You had the hands-on experience, which you can't replicate. That has to make a big difference. I love the term when the locomotives are out in the wild because we use that in the automotive business when you see, oh, there's the vehicles out in, in the wild. So you're having this hands-on experience. You're learning about alternative energies. You focused on natural gas with this hands-on experience. How do you see the locomotive technology evolving over the next decade? You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of the same trends that other vehicle technologies are, are having happen, right? We're seeing a lot of interest in battery electric, hydrogen fuel cells, you know, alternative diesels like biodiesel or renewable diesels, those are really, really picking up an in interest. But I think it's interesting and particularly challenging in rail because it's such a large interconnected industry that we have to really focus on technologies that can get us from here, which is an all diesel world, to a blend of those technologies in the future, right? So diesel is going to be around for long a long time ahead of us and so we've got the opportunity now to figure out what technologies complement diesel what technologies are good by themselves and you know what does that transition look like so i'm i'm really interested and excited to see that transition path and i, I think if we focus on those technologies which you can switch from, from diesel to you know, battery electric or or hybrid technologies, that's going to give you give our customers the best likelihood of success going forward. It's a positive statement because you're offering your customers if you want to, you're offering them a menu of choices to for the for the best application that, and that's really wise. You're not saying, okay, we're all this or we're all that. I have a lot of respect for what Progress is doing to offer that the best solution for your customers because that's a great way 
to, to run a business. So you have this experience at, at BNSF, but before that, growing up, you were in airplanes. You were an airplane enthusiast. From How did you go from Mr. Airplane to Mr. Train? <laughs> so I, I grew up in, in DFW, right? And uh, if you're familiar with the area and particularly familiar with like the industries in DFW, have a huge aircraft and aviation presence here in DFW. So there's, you know, Lockheed Martin and DFW Airport, Bell Helicopter, military bases as well. And so, you know, I'm a kid and I'm looking up and I'm seeing all these cool things flying overhead. And, you know, that's what really started my journey down engineering was looking at these machines that were flying overhead and saying, what is that? And learning more about them and digging deep into them and, and studying these these big machines in the way that eight, 10, 12 year olds are prone to do, right? Uh, particularly us technically minded eight, 10, 12 year olds. <laughs> and that put me down a path of you know physics and engineering in college. And when I graduated, I wanted a job where I wasn't you know just sitting in a cubicle designing widgets, right? I wanted to be out in the field working with people. And the railroad gave me that opportunity, right? I, I got a chance to go to Lincoln, Nebraska and work in the locomotive service group there. So I, I spent five years there in Nebraska uh, working with some incredible people who were really expert at servicing and maintaining and repairing locomotives. And I can't tell you how thankful I am for all the things they taught me. And it was that experience, right, of working in the field, living around these these locomotives that, you know, got me an appreciation for, for rail. You know, a lot of a lot of kids come to this and they see trains, you know, when they're in the you know, interested eight, 10, 12 year olds. But I really got excited about locomotives when I was in my twenties and early thirties. So it's it's been a fun, fun journey. It's an awesome journey. I, I used to live in Los Angeles and you would see at the In and Out Burger by LAX individuals be out there with the long cameras. Oh, this is a that's a Boeing seven thirty seven or that's an Airbus A three thirty. And I was amazed and they would be and you'd see and like, oh that's an American Airlines plane or, or that's a jet blue from the, the tail colors and the bo-. I'm just like it's incredible the airline enthusiast, that whole industry. It's really exciting to see that. And you know, now that I'm in rail, right, there's the same sorts of folks doing that for, for rail. Oh, you know, look, that's a, you know, BNSF SD70 Ace, right? Or look at that interesting paint scheme uh, that that locomotive has. It's 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 exciting. It's a fun hobby. I had Lionel trains growing up. I love trains. I think they're cool. And there's a lot of individuals, like I said, model planes. You know, those were great. But the, the model trains, I could build tracks around the house and, and do fun things. And, and they moved. And that was a lot of fun. And if you look at the the airline industry and you look at the rail industry, airlines are starting to explore with alternative fuels, and they're also starting to explore with electrification. Same things happening on rail. So there's some really interesting. If you look at your background, it's kind of you want to use the term, it's all coming together. And so you're at Progress now, and Progress introduced a battery electric locomotives. That's really cool. When were they first introduced? Our first battery electric locomotive, and, and we're calling our battery electric locomotive the, the Jewel locomotives. The first one was introduced in 2020 for one of our customers, a mining customer, Valet in Brazil. So this is a six axle switching type locomotive, and it's been running in revenue service, right? Pulling cars uh, since it was introduced. We've obviously had some, some tweaks and modifications over time, but we've got over a year now of experience with that locomotive showing not that this is some sort of you know test experiment or prototype locomotive but this is a locomotive that can actually do work 
And that's really exciting to be able to say on our first piece of equipment out there uh, that it's it's not just a prototype, that it's a locomotive that's providing value for our customers and you know being a productive part of their operation. The jewel can do work. That's positive. It's not a science experiment saying we're selling you a locomotive that can do work, that can improve your workflow. Outside of mining, how are your customers using the battery electric locomotives? So we're we're seeing a lot of interest in battery electric locomotives in a couple different services, right? You have to remember that that when you say a locomotive, right, that's like saying trucks or planes, right? There's whole categories of different types of locomotives out there. From locomotives that live in yards doing, you know, switching cars around to locomotives that, you know, serve customers kind of regionally to locomotives that are pulling trains very long distances, right, across the country, LA to Chicago, that kind of stuff. And so we're seeing a lot of interest in the yard service, right? Customers are seeing the value for battery electric locomotives to to switch cars. That's a great use case. We're also seeing a lot of interest in the regional services. Think LA to to the high desert in California or, um, you know, mining operations uh, in the Pilbara region of Australia. Uh, There's a lot of a lot of folks and a lot of opportunity to drive out emissions uh, in these kind of captured services uh, using battery electric. The the line hole operation, that's where hybrid consists really start to shine, right? The combination of battery electric locomotives with diesel locomotives next to each other, you get the benefits of both, right? The, the low emissions benefits of, of a battery locomotive and the, the endurance of a, of a diesel locomotive. Hybrids are awesome on the passenger vehicle side. Hybrids were the best-selling vehicle in the United States in, in 2021. It's a fantastic technology. You're right. It does have a positive impact on emissions. Your clients are using them in yards. They're using them from LA Basin to the high desert. As the technology matures, batteries become more dense. How do you see the use case changing? I think the past is a good indicator of, of the future, right? And you take a look back, and in 2016, I was giving a, a training in, on natural gas, and somebody asked me, well, you know, I've got this uh, Nissan LEAF car. Do you think battery electric would ever work for locomotives? And we are seeing that battery electric is is a good fit, and we're going to be constantly surprised by the capabilities, right? We should expect surprises in the space going forward. Now, in the next few years, we should also expect that you know, batteries are going to be more capable. They're going to provide lower cost. You know, but what does the future hold? That's a tough one to figure out. But what I can say is if we're de- going down these paths of battery electric or hydrogen fuel cells or renewable and biodiesels, those technologies and those developments are going to prepare us well for the ultimate solutions uh, that are going to be, you know, have a major impact on decarbonizing rail. If we can decarbonize rail, boy, oh boy, is that going to be special. And it's going to have a, a positive impact on society and it's going to have a positive impact on the environment. You mentioned hydrogen fuel cell. Is that technology for locomotives, is that currently being developed? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're seeing you know, some pilot projects around the industry. Progress Rail particularly, we've got a, a pilot project with Chevron and BNSF. Uh, where we're developing a line haul, high horsepower style locomotive, uh, very similar to you know SD seventy ace type locomotive. It's going to run from Richmond, California to Barstow, California, 
in revenue mixed manifest service, right? A service that is very typical, very common uh, in North America. And so we're going to develop this locomotive. It's going to run on hydrogen fuel cells and batteries like all hydrogen fuel cell vehicles are, right? They're all hybrids in, in their core. And so that'll be really the locomotive that teaches us and the industry, how do you build a locomotive like this? And how do you use hydrogen as a fuel for rail? Richmond to Barstow, that's a long, that's a long run of track. You, um, you're going over mountains and you're going down mountains. You're going through all sorts of terrain. That's a really, I would imagine that's got to be one of the premier testing, not to mention the amount of freight that goes on. Is that a very highly traffic freight route? California is a, is a very busy area of the country, as we're all aware, right? We, we see how big of, you know, part of the economy it is. So it's a busy freight corridor. It's also, like you mentioned, it's a diverse route, mostly flat coming from Richmond down to Bakersfield. But then from Bakersfield to to Barstow up in the high desert, you go through the Hatchby Pass, which is a steep, winding curve. And that presents some really difficult challenges from an energy perspective, right? It takes a lot of energy to climb mountains with trains. And so being able to understand that route and make sure we have enough onboard energy to complete the mission, uh, complete the trip, and do that in a way that's seamless to the operation. Those are all big big challenges. And with good engineering and good design, we're going to have a locomotive that, that can do that, even in a, in a test case. It's the children's book coming to life, the little train that could. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And, and the train did it and got over, got over the mountain. That's what you're, you're developing with your, with your partners, BNSF and, and Chevron. That little train gonna, is going to be able to do it. It's going to have a, a positive impact on the environment because you're going to increase the sustainability. So I think I can increase sustainability instead of I think I can. We, we know you can is where we're eventually going to get. Looking at sustainability overall, what is the impact of battery electric locomotives? You know, sustainability is, is really is a core value for Progress Rail, parent company Caterpillar, right? It's, it's fundamental to what we do. And so it has a lot of facets, right? And so we're trying to understand not only the sustainability impact of building this locomotive, the life of its operation and the reduced emissions that come from a battery electric locomotive, but then what happens at the end of life, right? Making sure that we're, we're factoring in what you do with the batteries when they're depleted. How can we give them a second life or how can we dispose of them properly? And so we're really approaching this from a whole life cycle sustainability look and offering those kind of turnkey solutions for our customers and say, here's the locomotive and here's everything you need to support it across its life and make sure that it has the same long life that you expect out of a locomotive, like a progress rail locomotive. These things live 30, 40 years. When I was at BNSF, the, the oldest locomotive in our fleet was built in 1957. And that was not a locomotive that was sitting outside of an office building as a showpiece. It was a locomotive that was out there doing work. And we're expecting the same sort of reliability and long life uh, out of battery electric locomotives. That's impressive. That That's impressive because if you think about it, if you're your customers that are going to haul the freight, they have to be able to rely on your product. You're clearly making a product reliability a 50 year run for the amount of cargo that that's going to carry is really really impressive because just think about it from a you're an engineer if you look at from the weight perspective and all that and all the the input that's that's going to put on it's really really impressive so we're there's no doubt we're shifting to, to battery electric across the board and it's happening in rail 
which raises the big question. What type of charging infrastructure has to be built to support electric locomotives? The three most important things for any alternative vehicle adoption are infrastructure, infrastructure, and infrastructure. (laughs) Critically important. You got to get that right because that's where the pain points come in, right? That's where it's uncomfortable to the operation. That's where it's a drawback for the, the guy driving the locomotive, you know, the conductor engineer using this equipment. And so we've got a robust solution, set of solutions for charging these locomotives. First and foremost is regenerative braking, right? That's free energy sitting on the table. Uh, and so we're going to maximize that. And then we look to solutions for how can we charge that from an infrastructure standpoint. So we've got reverse pantograph chargers so that the locomotive can pull right underneath the the charger, press the green button, arm comes down, touches uh, the top of the locomotive, automatically initiates charging safely, right? That really provides the the user a very simple, straightforward way to charge the locomotive. But interoperability is a big part of this. And so we're working closely with the industry to develop standards so that a progress rail locomotive that was provided to the Union Pacific could go over to the BNSF and use their charging equipment. And it has the same, you know, same good features, good interoperability and ease of use, no matter where it goes in North America. That's, that's going to be a big challenge to get everybody together to work, develop these standards that work well together. Interoperability will be key. Think about the sustainable impact from the reduce of carbon if everybody can agree to the interoperability. And then from an infrastructure standpoint, everybody can agree you can lower the cost on infrastructure. Because I'm imagining these things have to take a lot of energy to charge. Do microgrids have to be deployed at the charging station? From an infrastructure standpoint, what has to go into that? There's a lot that goes into it. And the first thing I would say is, you know, as a infrastructure builder, talking with everybody early in the process is a key, key way to, to be successful. So going to your electricity provider, the utility, letting them know what you're working on doing, talking with the locomotive manufacturers to make sure that they're integrated in the process. But you're right. Microgrids like you know solar generation or battery backup systems, you know, the Caterpillar team has has those tools in it, its portfolio. So really it's it's leveraging all the tools in the toolbox to be able to provide, you know, the charging solution that's specific to that customer's operation. And that really is going to, you know, lessen the cost of that, that infrastructure. It's going to provide a more reliable, higher uptime so that the customers don't have to worry about how am I going to charge this locomotive? They can focus in on how are they going to do their job, Right get that locomotive out and running and pulling freight and less focused on how you charge it. I'll sum it up this way. Caterpillar's a strategic asset. Uh, the bottom line, if you're, if you're a rail operator, you want to partner with Caterpillar because of the portfolio and being that strategic asset and having that, I believe it's a hundred plus year history of, of delivering success and results. So go team Caterpillar. So you see, so we, we covered the infrastructure. We covered the awesomeness of sustainability. The maintenance, we haven't touched maintenance yet. Vehicles on the ground side, there's not as much maintenance. It's the same for battery electric locomotives where it has a positive impact on the maintenance schedule. Yeah, absolutely. 
we're we're seeing the same sort of improvements in maintenance and reliability as as other EV adopters are seeing. If you really get down to the, the fundamentals of it, what breaks on a vehicle? Right? It's things that get hot or things that move, right? rotating equipment. And the count of those parts on a battery electric locomotive are dramatically reduced. Right? You see a lot less engine components, reciprocating engine components, rotating equipment. And that's going to translate to better reliability, higher uptime for our customers. And so we're expecting to see you know, a pretty remarkable improvement in battery electric locomotive uh, availability when compared to you know, a, a pure diesel. And that just means that, again, the customer doesn't have to worry about the locomotive thing. They can just go focus on doing their job safely getting the freight to the customer and the locomotive is just a reliable tool to do that. I'm your customer. I want to, I want a battery electric locomotive because you're going to give me the uptime and the reliability. So I'm, I'm your Acme customer. Sign me up. I want this technology and progress. Also, you have some other, you've got a lot of cool things under the progress umbrella. You have the Talos train automation technology. Could you talk about that technology, please? Talos is, is a really exciting tool right? Uh, it's train automation, energy management, and really energy management in, in an over, oversimplification is smart cruise control for a train. Knowing the route ahead, knowing the train behind you, and coming up with the optimal strategy to drive that train across that territory. And what Talos does is, is it uses machine learning to, to look ahead at the route and look at all of the trains that have been run before and come up with an optimized solution for that. Uh, and that's what really sets it apart in the market, right, is, is that machine-based learning approach. And that's an incredible tool to have in our tool belt because being based off on machine learning and AI, we can now fully leverage battery electric equipment in hybrid consists really quickly. Instead of having to create rules on if then do this kind of stuff for a battery electric locomotive, now all we have to do is say, here, Talos, this is what a battery electric locomotive looks like. This is what it can do. Go out and try it in simulation. Do that thousands of times, come up with an optimized response to it. And now you have a system that in the span of a few months has been able, you know, is able to effectively integrate you know, all of these other technologies on the train. Obviously, that's an oversimplification, right? There's a lot of software and a lot of good work that goes into it. But it's it's an incredible tool in our tool belt to reduce the energy for our customers. And that drives to saving money, saving emissions, and being a better steward of our companies and our world's resources. What impact does the system have on energy performance and maintenance? Is it, does it optimize it? Increase perf- uh, per energy performance and, and, lo- and lower the downtime for maintenance? Yeah. So the, the big impacts is, is going to be energy performance, right? Using the least amount of energy to do the job. And that translates directly into emissions. You're going to see if you use less fuel, you produce less emissions. But it's also going to push you out of, out of regimes that are harder on the locomotives. Right? You're going to use lower throttle notch settings or optimal throttle notch settings more often that prolong the life of your engines, your equipment, so that you can not have to worry about that locomotive failing more frequently. 
putting all the pieces together overall, what are the benefits of battery electric locomotives? Because you, you mentioned really interesting use cases. Uh, is there a, a general benefit that goes across the board? So you have a mining client here, you have a freight rail client here. How do those benefits extend across the board? We're really seeing the same sort of benefits that other EV customers are seeing. Zero emissions, low maintenance, low noise, with equal or better tractive effort or power, right? EVs have a reputation for being, you know, sporty and powerful. And that's true in the locomotive space. Obviously, you've got to focus on safety and and making sure that you're using the equipment safely. But now, with a battery electric locomotive, we're not limited in the power we can provide. We're not limited in the tractive effort by the drivetrain. We're limited by what the, the steel wheels and the steel rail can do. And that means that our customers are going to have a locomotive that does the job and does it better than they're used to. We're actually working with uh, the Pilbara mining uh, companies and going to provide them with what will be the world's largest battery electric vehicle, period. This is a 14 and a half megawatt hour locomotive, eight axle configuration. And it's going to be an incredibly capable uh, vehicle to you know, pull very heavy iron ore cars out of the Pilbaran region in Australia. For the record, the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels was a great tour. So you mentioned Steel Wheels, so i got to give a plug to the Stones there. You mentioned the mining, but you've got one of the most iconic companies in the world as a major client, Union Pacific. In January 2022, Union Pacific announced the purchase of 10 battery electric locomotives. This purchase, it was the largest investment in battery electronic technology by a U.S. Class 1 railroad in history. Really impressive. Iconic brand Union Pacific says, we're going to progress rail. Can you talk about that, please? This is, this is really exciting, and the, the implications for the industry are really big, right? It shows that the UP is committed to this, right? They're investing in this technology and the implications it can have for their customers and their communities. But it shows that this isn't just a science experiment. They're expecting these locomotives to go out and do the work every day, 365 days a year. And, you know, that's the value of a, of a progress rail locomotive. But this isn't a science experiment. This is a locomotive you can count on. Uh, it has the same reliability and uptime that you've come to expect from progress rail EMD locomotive. This is not a science experiment. I want to repeat, this is not a science experiment. Well said, Michael. In your opinion, does this deal validate the use case for battery electric locomotives? It shows that if you're careful about understanding your operation and finding those fits within your operation, you can drive that emissions to zero. Uh, and it's it's not some academic one-off you know, prototype, but this is a productive locomotive that's going to get the job done while reducing driving your local emissions you know, to zero. Uh, and that's a, a good story for the communities and, and the uh, employees using the equipment, right? We've seen the users of this equipment are really pleased to have a quieter zero emissions locomotive that they're operating because it makes their, you know, doing their job much more comfortable. Well, so we mentioned Union Pacific, we, we, we mentioned the mining clients, but let's just say you have Acme client. A- Acme client approaches you and says, okay, Michael, okay, Progress Rail, we're interested in purchasing a battery electric locomotive. Is it does like a car dealership say, oh, okay, I'll take that one, I'll take this one, or maybe that one. What does the process look like? And are all locomotives created the same, or is it more of a, a, a salvo row, a bespoke approach? It's really coming to an understanding of the operation 
that we're trying to target and matching the, the locomotive configuration that goes with that, right? So the, the conversation, it really starts out with, you know, coming to an understanding of the operation that the customer is trying to, to target and then also educating everybody involved on what battery electric locomotives can do and can't do, right? Because their energy storage is limited compared to a diesel. And so you got to understand those implications. Then you go out and you look at these locomotives and how they operate today, right? Go get event recorder data off the locomotives, model that and see how much energy it takes to do the job. And then translate that into what locomotive configuration would be most appropriate. And that's where Progress Rail really shines. We've got five major locomotive configurations, four, six, eight axles um, with energy storage from 2.4 to 14 and a half megawatt hours. It's really choosing the right fit for that customer, right? What is, what is the locomotive that's going to fit their needs? And then digging into that and making sure that the infrastructure, the charging equipment is there to support them and that they're using the right sized charging infrastructure so that when this locomotive is deployed, it fits seamlessly in the operation and it just works. Wow. That raises the question, what role does education, when you sit down with Acme customer, what role does, does education play as you start to talk about battery electric locomotives? Electric vehicles, they've really caused us to change our language, right? We have been so used to dealing with things like horsepower and foot pounds of tractive effort, and those things are still applicable. But now we also have to learn the words of energy, right? And not in terms of gallons of diesel. And so it's learning together, you know, how much energy does it take to do the job? And then learning the terms of batteries, right? Of, you know, usable capacities versus name plate capacities and working through all that, uh, those kind of things that those of us who have been, you know, knee deep in the EV world for a few years, it comes naturally to us. But they're not apparent and it's not easy. Um, and so that's where, you know, I spend a lot of time talking with customers, understanding what they're doing and helping them understand what an electric vehicle looks like and does. Terminology is key. We see it on the ground vehicle side. We going back to your uh, passion of, of aerospace. We see it in the aerospace side where if you say one thing to one individual it can mean something to another and terminology, it's going to be really interesting as sustainability goes into every form of transportation and hopefully we get to some sort of lexicon standard. When you, when you say battery electric locomotive, you know what it means. You say autonomous vehicle, you know what it means, or you talk about sustainability. So we're going to get there and it's, we're going to get there to society because we all agree that we have to decarbonize the planet. Michael, putting this entire conversation into context, it's been awesomely interesting. It has been super cool. And I love to know, what is the future of Progress Rail? I'm a history dork as well as a train and aviation dork. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's it's useful to look back at, you know, the 100 years, 100 year history of, of EMD and, and Progress Rail. And really, EMD led that transition from steam to diesel. They led the transition from DC traction to AC traction. So at every step through this process, Progress Rail has been the leader in that transition. And we're going to continue that, right? We're going to be the leader in this transition in rail decarbonization, right? And developing the technologies that customers are going to use to meet their goals, right? And meet their sustainability goals. And that's driven by our values, right? Sustainability, safety, and making sure our customers are successful. Progress Rail 
has always innovated. Progress will will we'll always innovate. I give you a lot of credit on that. And as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them? Because me, my takeaway is battery electric locomotives are cool. But I love to know it from your standpoint, please. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Battery electric locomotives are cool. I, I really, you know, the, the big takeaway is that rail is an incredibly efficient form of transportation, the most efficient, energy efficient form of transportation uh, in the world. And that through you know, this advanced technologies, we are improving that efficiency and we are making rail even more competitive and valuable for our customers and our customers' customers so that they can meet the diverse and unique challenges that they have ahead of them. And we're going to be there. Progress Rail is going to be there to help them meet those needs. As Michael said, rail is energy efficient because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today. And the future is Progress Rail. Michael, thank you so much for coming on SAE tomorrow today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to SAE tomorrow today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week when I speak with Kyle Schmidt, Vice President of New Product Development and R&T Engineering at Saffron Landing Systems. He'll share the company's latest innovations, making landing gear environmentally friendly, lighter yet stronger, and use of cutting-edge noise reduction technology. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.